last time on the Lords of Grantham podcast, we discussed Season 3, Episode 7. And in the episode, Tom Branson's brother, Kiernan, shows up uh, to help with uh, christening uh, baby Sybil. And uh, it did not have as much Kiernan as we thought. And this week, we're going to take another crack at it uh, with watching a random down apps episode and seeing what we get. So we are watching uh, Season 6, Episode 3. Hope you enjoy it. And we are back again with some some proper Downton Abbey coverage. Yeah, I mean, it was fun last week uh, talking about what would be potentially in Downton Abbey, the movie too. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen. And we heard from a couple of listeners, too, that some of our back catalog over the past week went missing on iTunes. So if you were trying to catch up on Downton Abbey and hear what we said, uh, it was missing. It is now found. It is, is back on there. So you can go back and listen if you so choose right now. That's right. That's right, Corey. Um, we, we just migrated over from SoundCloud to Podbean. Mm-hmm. So we're just trying to get the most bang for our buck and have the most opportunities to make this podcast the best it can be so apologies for the little bump in the road we're still getting used to things and we appreciate the fans that reached out so yeah i mean we i mean if if they were listening in chronological order to to downton and we're like jumping on this most recent episode kudos to you for for doing your work yeah and also we set up a website on podbean too uh you know we've we've always plugged where you can find us otherwise but there's a Podbean, Lords of Grantham website, where it's searchable uh, for old podcasts if there are certain ones you want to dig up. I'm sure it was searchable on, on Spotify, and you could find it on iTunes, but it's right there at the ready in case you wanted to find some old episodes. So it's all there. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. So do we have any uh, any news? Not that I know of with The, the Crown and, uh, and Downton. Not much uh, really going on there. I mean... How can you really top the announcement of the movie from last week? So I I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I've got some news. Speaking of movies, oh yeah. So this is a relate related to the Lords of Grantham lore, if you will. Mm-hmm. So did you hear the story about this uh, this negative review of Citizen Kane? I, I did. I didn't hear. Fa- in fact, hear this news. Yes. So. Rotten Tomatoes is trying to upload archival reviews, and they found a bad review of Citizen Kane, which negative review bumps it. Negative review, yes, bumps it from one hundred percent critical approval to ninety nine percent critical approval. And this this has triggered one movie has come into discussion in regards to what is better than Citizen Kane and do you know what that one movie is or not one but this one that is, is drawing the most attention absolutely it is uh, you know Hugh Bonneville's good friend uh, Paddington in the movie Paddington, Paddington 2, 2 which he stars in um, this, this is a pretty pretty fun little story I mean I would I, is Citizen Kane a better movie than Paddington 2 who's to say I would I would say it is as much as I love Paddington too, and you know I love Paddington too. Uh, I mean, what it's all an eye of the beholder. <laughs> what, what, what does it really matter? <laughs> what all these critics think, anyways? No one cares. Go look at the Oscars. No one watched the Oscars. Hey, no one cares. <laughs> I think it's good news for 
Paddington 2 to be back in the headlines because I do think it is a fantastic movie. Yeah, I mean, we do need a third one for sure. I think are we getting a third? Is, are we? They're, they're starting. They're starting to get the ball rolling on it. It will be a different director, so we'll we'll see uh, how it shakes out. But Can they just get Wes Anderson to do it. I feel like they need him. Yeah, but if you haven't seen Paddington 2, it's it will make you so happy. It, it is so great. <laughs> Honestly, I was thinking maybe maybe it's time to to actually jump into it for a Patreon because we never got into Paddington two. I mean, why not? Why not? And, and I mean, Paddington one spending, is good. Spending the past Paddington several months like talking about reaching something else. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Paddington two is something else. And as I was saying, we've been spending the past the entirety of this year so far on Patreon doing Pride and Prejudice. So and we've had enough pride of our pride. You know, we're we're not too proud to. Uh, move on to something else and that that might be the talking bear and his his misadventures yeah going to prison he's like Bates absolutely that, that is the hook of the movie uh, what is Paddington going to do in jail <laughs> um, that's true alright well enough of that I think people want to hear what we're talking about this week on Down right Dave they do, but I wanted to say one more thing oh about. Oh my gosh! Uh, we asked the fan. We asked the fans last week to send their ideas about what they thought the movie Downton Abbey Two was going to be mm-hmm. like, and we got a couple of late responses. So I wanted to share those before we, all right, dive went headfirst into season six, episode three. So, um, on Twitter, D King, somebody that doesn't follow us and only. Only has tw- started tweeting recently. Said um, more of the family and servants. Maybe bring back O'Brien. More of the family and servants. You, you just mean more of Downton Abbey, essentially, right? Well, maybe I think they might have meant more like more of the characters. So that would mean uh, like include Spratt, include Danker. Oh, okay. Bring back O'Brien. Bring back cousin Rose, kind of thing. Wow. Okay. Someone out there is and then, looking uh, for O'Brien. That's interesting. <laughs> Uh, Harry's mom on Twitter uh, said Anna becomes the housekeeper and the role of Carson and Hughes is to mentor Barrow and Anna. So that Hmm. gives them something to do. I thought that was interesting. Okay. And then from... oh, It's it's decent enough hook to get Carson back involved. Mm -hmm. From the Lords of Grantham Lounge, our Patreon Facebook group, Mm -hmm. uh, quite a bit of chatter. Um, our, Our friend Estelle said that obviously the Branson and Lucy wedding, um, she wants Spratt and Danker, regardless of how many of us feel about That's them. Um, she says, less Daisy, please. And I think watching this episode that we'll talk about in a moment, I agree. Mm-hmm. Less Daisy might be better, especially towards the end. And Baby Bates is a thief in the nursery. That would be fun. And then Haley in the Lords of Grantham Lounge said... More focus on Lady Mary and Henry Talbot's marriage, which I guess if Matthew Good is free, maybe we'll get that. Yeah, I mean it's a matter of yeah, what is Matthew Good up to <laughs> this week? And she and she said since it does time to come out at Christmas, hopefully it's a Christmas movie, and there is a scene of uh, George and Lady Mary at uh, Matthew's grave mm-hmm. with Lady Mary telling the tale of. The proposal on New Year's Eve. And last but not least, mm-hmm. Patricia. Again, Lords of Grantham Lounge is for patrons. $1 a month, you get to talk to all these rabid Downton Abbey fans that are more ravenous than us, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patricia said, Edith does something super evil at a Mark Marquess level. 
I mean, I was I was suggesting in there too. I mean, she's attempted to destroy a couple marriages uh, along the course of the show. Why not someone try to destroy one of her marriages? I, I mean, it's due time. That's how karma works. So you're saying someone comes comes for her throat? Yeah. Why Why not? Someone dr- r- yeah. rides in on a tractor up to Downton. Well, no, she doesn't live in Downton, but they just ride in on a tractor and they try to break it all up. Let's do it. Like Mad Max, they got like fire and. No, it's just a regular old Maybe. tractor. It's, it's kind of oh, just a, it's, 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 just a John it's Deere. It's Kenny Chesney, actually. <laughs> He's just rolling it. Do it. Bring it. Make it as Kenny Chesney, time traveling Kenny <laughs> yeah. Chesney. He's he's done that in music videos. Yeah. All right, Downton Abbey though. Not the movie sequel. Nope. Season six, episode three. So we came to this episode because we asked our, our lounge listeners and Patreon subscribers, you know, if there was any episodes they had in mind for us to watch and. This was one that Chris fielded to us uh, from the lounge and didn't have the, the strongest memory of what was going on in this episode, but as soon as I turned it on, I knew exactly why we should be watching this episode. Mm-hmm. It's an important one. And it is, and I feel like seasons four, five, and six are sort of like stay away from these episodes for us in the revisits. So. Because I'm not that way. I, I, I felt like we we've needed to come back around to these. That's, well, I mean, now we are, mm-hmm. and I know we did uh, watch four is the one where, the London season. Four is the one where, we watched the yeah, London season. That, that was four, but four is the one where it's like I don't think we need to revisit much of that at all. But the rest are okay. Five isn't great, but I six is it. six. I feel like it is is uh, Julian course correcting and landing the the plane mm-hmm. very effectively. Absolutely, and this is an episode that makes me say maybe we should. Uh, Spend a little more time in season six. Yeah, I mean, this episode is very much Julian at the height of his powers. Uh, we're really, you know, bringing things together as a, as the show winds down, and it is, of course, the, the wedding of uh, Hughes and Carson, and, and that takes up the bulk mm-hmm. of this episode. And we'll get to that, but we should just discuss some of the, the smaller plot lines first and, and, and what we thought of that. All right, so we're going to get Sprat and Danker out of the way. Why don't we get Daisy out of the way, Dave? Because you mentioned Daisy being the worst. <laughs> Let's dig on dig in on that. Is, okay, yeah. So let's start with the low-hanging mm-hmm. fruit. Daisy Daisy is a... Does Daisy catch wind? Oh, no, Mosley. Mosley. Right, because we, I forgot that Mosley is teaching Daisy because they retconned her into being uh, less smart than they had her in previous seasons just so they can you know, have somewhere for her to build towards. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, she's not book smart. They want no. to build her up to. She wants to be book smart and street smart. Yeah, I mean, we we know she believed in ghosts in the early seasons and that she's supposed to be a child, but she really they took her down a peg for this last run here. Oh, did a peg, several peg, I feel like, but they but they keep her around in the in the, the equation so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she's on the young peg level, uh, but yeah, Mosley is her instructor. He and she is the. She is learning from him, and she also learns of a interesting development that may relate to Mr. Mason. Yeah, so they find out the Drews might be leaving Utree Farm mm-hmm. after Edith really, you know, was so kind to them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and they, uh, Mosley implies that maybe this is an opportunity for for what's his name, Mr. Mason's father. Mr. Mason, you said okay. <laughs> There's too many, too many things going on here. Mm-hmm. So Daisy just spends the episode screaming about this, about how she's gonna get her way. Yeah, I mean, Mosley says like, you know, keep it under your hat, and then whoever will listen, she's like, 
saying like, oh my gosh, this is going to be life changing, you know, <laughs> not, not those words, but like she is wiling out this episode <laughs> mm-hmm. to, to the point where she's going to go scrub some floors uh, near the fireplace, not a, a job that she does anymore, but she goes upstairs to do it and she bumps into Cora, who she assumes is part of the reason why, um, you know, Mr. Mason may be coming into this land. And so she thanks Cora and Cora's is like, what are you talking about? Oh, okay. All right. Because she doesn't say explicitly what uh, Daisy doesn't say explicitly what she's referring to. She just thanks Cora and Cora's like, okay, well, weirdo. Well, I think, doesn't she say Mr. Mason? She says, like, what yeah, you're doing is so yeah, great. Mr. Mason will really so I think Cora, Cora is not uh, oblivious. Well, she doesn't to what's say the young on. tree thing. So it's, it's hard to connect the dots there of like what she could possibly mean. I feel like Cora is just, just thinking to herself, like, I don't, I don't, I feel like I don't want to say anything now. Yeah, I, no, no, she doesn't know at that moment because she doesn't know she's talking about the yew tree farm. I think what Cora is thinking at that moment is like that girl needs to go learn some more. She's she's mopping the floors. Send, send her to mold because it's like you know. Okay, so we we said Daisy may have been more intelligent a few years ago. Now now we have Mosley teaching her to get smarter. And then she was also mopping floors a few years ago. She got out of that, and now she's going upstairs to mop floors. Cora is definitely like, is she regressing? <laughs> is something going backwards here with Daisy? Like we, we, I think we've got the wrong one yeah. here. <laughs> Couldn't we have kept Ivy? Yeah, Ethel, you know? <laughs> nah, I think we're good without Ethel. That's true. But that's that's all that Daisy does is just hoot and holler about it. And it leads to a thing at the end of the episode where, you know, everyone's there, and Mr. Mason's there, and Mr. Mason's thanking Cora, and Cora's just like, what are you talking about? This is not what you think this is. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not great. Mm-hmm. No, just Daisy making a fool of herself. But Julian must have a, a strong attachment to Daisy because I feel like I don't know anyone that really likes Daisy beyond just her being okay. It's like a child, the child of the family, you know? And maybe he just wants someone to be a little radical all the time with their political views and being outspoken. And I think this is sort of, this season especially, Daisy is coming to terms with a lot of things mm. as a probably a what how old is she supposed to be like 22 at this point 23? i think she's like two years old at this point oh <laughs> uh, so she's benjamin yeah. buttoning she's she's getting turning into a baby exactly exactly in the next down abbey movie she's gonna be a child actress <laughs> you wouldn't notice the difference <laughs> you'd just be same voice it would just look worse with pat Moore berating a child <laughs> and she's like oh no but it's not really a child it's, it's she's daisy older. Yeah. she just looks younger well, no, daisy um, let's do it like a soap opera the role of daisy is now being played by <laughs> yeah child a toddler uh one other quick hit in terms of plot lines this episode um carson is just you know walking around the manor at night and then robert walks in and carson says are you doing well sir <laughs> and what does robert say dave robert's like add just a stomach ache, bro. too many too many chicken just a wings. bit of indigestion <laughs> 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 he toots and did a little hip turn. But I love the, the way they frame the scene because it's just like Robert comes in out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> how would Carson? I mean, I guess Carson's known Robert long enough he could understand if something's wrong with him. But there's no indication to let him know that something's off with Robert. Is he like holding his stomach or something like that? Yeah, I mean, is it the thing where like before the scene started, Robert is in a side room and he just let out like you know the courteous thing. He just let out a big fart and Carson just he just walked it. into the hall. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole side plot of Downton that we don't visit is like the the servants must be privy to some like real like oh excuse me I gotta get out of the main hall to to let one rip or like I gotta go smoke a cigarette I'm stressed yeah and Carson just hears that loud sound like, are you okay sir <laughs> <laughs> just a little indigestion 
You ate too much, <laughs> Lord Grantham. Cheerio, then, Carson. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And then, then Robert walks in another room. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Give me the uncut footage of Dallas. Do you think Julian, Julian just has this big, like, whiteboard? <laughs> For the whole season, and he's like, at some point, this boy is gonna blow. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I need to start planting the seeds for this now. Mm-hmm. And that's all he does is he just says, "I'm just gonna put the scene in." Imagine if if the world ended after this episode aired, and we just never knew why. <laughs> he's just indigestion. The show got canceled out of the blue for some reason. The actors all quit. Yeah. Do you think Hugh would know? Hugh's probably like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I just mad some indigestion. And you know what's funny is because, you know, is this in between ISIS coming and going? Yeah, ISIS is still alive in this episode. We don't even see ISIS at all. But they mention ISIS. Oh, okay. The dog. Sure. Oh, we do, and uh, other little hanging fruit. Um, Mosley, uh, you know, he's trying to find his way. Someone asked him, like, you know, what are you doing there with Daisy? Just teaching her. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's Mosley. I mean, he is. There's the the at the wedding scene. There's the the teacher, the school teacher is like, mm-hmm. "Have you missed your vocation, Mister Mosley?" And it's a very one of the most like endearing lines. Mosley says, "I've missed everything." <sighs> Man. And it's like, oh my goodness, you just feel like you want to give him a hug. I know we shook it. We gave him a handshake. We did give him a handshake so. in real life. But there's also a thing where he just keeps missing shooting a shot with Baxter too, even to this day. So it's just like, yeah, Mosley, you are missing everything. <laughs> Aside from his his dark hair, yeah, that's that's fair. It's not it's not blue anymore, right? Other small plot lines. Uh, Anna may be pregnant. Yeah, great line from Mister Bates. <laughs> yeah, what is it? He says there's there's something about you. <laughs> and then she says there's something about you, Mister Bates. <laughs> to which all the the female viewers are like, "What? Hey, tell us, <laughs> did he murder the, his wife? Did he?" <laughs> And is that a is that an attractive thing? Like, what's what? Female fans is what's what are your opinions on Bates? Mm-hmm. And we get because I'll tell you, male, male fans like Joe Froggett. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty undeniable, I would say. Uh, understandably, and, and you know, they're just the power couple. We, we've we've done the power rankings to, to find who was number one after all, of all these characters, and Anna was number one. Um, and she won our sixty-four character. That's what I was just too, referencing. Right? That's what, uh, yeah. And I think she might have might have won the power rankings too. It's Anna. There's something. There's there's something about her. That's Bates said. Yeah. Uh, Bates gets a great look in this episode, where early on, you know, Barrow is walking through and stuff, and we just see Bates sitting back in his recliner reading his newspaper, just all about his business. <laughs> That's a great scene where Barrow's looking to to. He's like, I want. I'm I'm trying to stay in this neck of the woods, and Bates Bates is like, oh might say you've grown attached to mm-hmm. it and what is i forget what barrow says in response yeah no it was he says careful mr barrow someone may accuse you of having affection for the area and, and barrow's just like you know what's wrong with that essentially and they're like you're evil you you mean you, you like you, you'd had a hand in killing a baby mm-hmm. you uh you did all this terrible stuff yeah i just want to know plaster dust know more about this recliner that that bates is sitting in like you know, I wish they would show him like his knee, like sitting crisscross legs, like he's totally cool. Because well, his legs, yeah, cool. right. Because that's the thing is like, okay, to be sitting at that angle, you have to have two good legs, or he's just okay with like having to like p- 
pull himself up out of the chair with his one leg and like getting upright and stuff. It's just gotta be a struggle, is all I'm imagining for Bates there. But he looks like a boss. I love it. I wish he was like smoking a cigar. Yep. Yeah. So does that lead does that lead us right to Spratt and Anchor? Well, let's just follow the Barrows track, huh? It, 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 oh, that's yeah. Well, Barrows is a very good plot. Okay, so I guess fine. Let, let's do the whole thing. Well, no, let's do the whole thing. We, you, we've commit. We've put our toes in in the Barrow pool. We okay, well, it, as you're saying, it leads us to Mr. Rearsby's door, which some of mm-hmm. our listeners were uh, fond of remembering uh, earlier this morning. You know, they they liked the the, the stories this guy told. Hmm. Did they did really? I mean, you can look up the comments on our Facebook group. They they enjoyed. This. I know, I know they did. I'm just saying they liked the story about he loved watching the women go to bed. I I know we discussed this last time we recorded this episode. It, it's a little, a little bit creepy. Like this guy's like, oh yes, <laughs> those nights. <laughs> but his house is also a dump. Like, well, that was the one thing I kept wondering. Tried- Why are these walls so dirty? What was going on in this place? Of the walls, like, did they really need someone dedicated to like washing these walls? Like, I can understand the place falling on hard times but how do the walls get to be that dank after a few mm-hmm. years and he talks about like a diamond chandelier like where did that go we probably sold it to keep the place going wait it's not going just get someone to wash the walls i mean that's the least you can do but uh what kind of man is he looking for for his place he wants like an every man mm-hmm because he has like one or two helpers yeah, and he just kind of wants somebody to do everything. And Barrow is like, you really want me to like clean up your messes and like go through old newspapers and stuff like that? Yes. <laughs> and he's like, I thought, I thought this house was something. And he's like, what? What do you mean was something? It, it, well, it, it will be something again. And it's like, I don't think so. Dude. I like that. You're, you don't have a wife. You don't have kids. Your kids died in the war. Yeah, it's it's sad. This family says that. But I, I like that his grand scheme for like bringing back prestige to this house is like cleaning up a pile of newspapers <laughs> you know taking out the trash I mean just have an open house yeah sure uh, so Barrow walks out of there uh, not too pleased he doesn't want it to be you know responsible for all that work at like a you know kind of unimportant house but Barrow kind of puts the guy on blast in a, mm-hmm. in a very um, very fun way where the guy's like are you telling me this house isn't anything and Barrow's like it's not, man. Like, look around. Yeah. And then he says, I thought, I th- are you a Republican? And Barrow's like, I don't think so. <laughs> but I, I think I should get out of here, man. Yeah. Like, the guy is clearly a hoarder. And it, it makes me almost question, too, like, how much validity is there to what he's saying? Because it just seems like he's just a step out of touch with everything going on. Because Robert only vaguely knew about this house. Mm-hmm. And it's in his county. Yeah. That would be like if there was somebody on your social status and your, like, upper echelon social status in your neck of the woods and you didn't even know who they were and you said oh maybe my parents went there Mm -hmm. like the fact that he doesn't even know i think that would be a big step down for barrow regardless of the situation so Uh, big win for barrow getting out of there i think but it's depressing yeah and then was it barrow's struggles continue in this episode where what is he he's talking to andy and says something about like you know you'll miss watching me leave or whatever and andy's like i don't care and then baxter's like he, 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 what are you trying to do with him? Barrow's like, I ain't trying to seduce the man, okay? I've been through that one time before. It didn't work. <laughs> He's like, I just want to be friends. He's yeah. like, I'm trying to do a baby face turn. Yeah, he, he legitimately means it. He wants a, a, a friendship because he doesn't have any friends. And Baxter's like, well, why don't you just tell him? And he's like, 
Well, I can't. I can't just tell a man I want to be friends. <laughs> I do want to be a friend, dude. Is that a problem? Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> but you can't tell him. You can't you know? It's oh. it's hard to make that happen. It's also worth noting, and this might be the indigestion scene, but Carson is like, I think we might have found a, a, a solution to our barrow problem, mm-hmm. and that is he's looking for work. So like, people in the house are actively like taking joy in the fact that Barrow might be leaving Downton. Yeah. So, like, I think this is a really sad episode for Barrow. I think he has a few moments of, of pride, mm-hmm. but a whole lot of prejudice. Against him, absolutely. Mm-hmm. He just wants a friend. Uh, well, I thought, did you think the old man was going to suss him out for being gay? No. I, I didn't think it would come to that. I mean, he just met him. I, I don't know. Or maybe make some kind of statements, you know, some some offhanded, yeah. not a slur, but and then Barrow would kind of act defensively and and because I I don't you know we don't I don't remember all the details of these episodes, right? So I thought that was a possibility. I thought it was on the table. I think it happens in another episode, but I think it's like a couple that's talking to him or something. I can't remember. Uh, it, it, but anyways, though, uh, you were saying though, Dave, about Spratt and Danker. <laughs> There's a someone at the door. So. This is a confusing thing to me. We see a child walking to the Dowager Countess's house. Is it a child? It's a child. I thought right? it was a silhouette. No. It's a dwarf. It's Peter it's Peter Dinklage. Maybe. Because yeah, so Spratt answers the door. We don't see who he's talking to exactly, but we quickly uh find out what the details are. Again, it's been so long. How how hard did you pop, Dave? When oh I, I I audibly went oh I yeah. did too I literally sat here and said heck yeah I gotta say you know not a great time in history for the reputation of police <laughs> I got excited for Sergeant Will I mean he's maybe the best policeman of all time <laughs> the way he just <laughs> I think walks in yeah every time he walks in the door it's just like ah oh. <laughs> just glad to have him there <laughs> and he's happy to be there he looks genuinely happy to be you know doing his job. Yeah, and so he asks uh, our old pal Septimus mm-hmm. if if he's seen his cousin because his cousin escaped from prison. Yeah, and is uh, was seen in the area. Wally Stern is his sister's son, so it, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's one of his first cousins. And uh, he asked if they made direct contact, and and Spratt says no. It, and then Danker says nothing unusual has happened around here. Yeah. But she just holds it over Spratt's head this entire episode, like, well, I won't share your stuff, you know, your information, unless I'm, like, inclined to. <laughs> and she says that she has the scene with the Dowager about the hot chocolate, which is a great scene, mm-hmm. where the Dowager's like, hey, at least I'm hot to drink before I go to bed. And, and Danker's like, oh, how about some hot chocolate? And you think the Dowager's going to be like, are you kidding me? I'm 85 years old. You think I want hot chocolate? But the Dowager's like, that's actually a great idea. <laughs> yeah. And then Danker says... Something like, "Hey, you ever deal with like Spratt's family?" And she's she says he has lots of um, friends and family that marry get married and die on on a cycle. No, or something. It's no a great she says that they line. get married on inconvenient days. So it just it's alluding to the fact that he may just be like calling in sick to work essentially on days that she actually needs him to be there because he has a wedding to go to. But it's it's a very well worded dowager oh, line. It's telling, and then <laughs> and then the Danker's like. Oh well, don't you? And then she's like, "Why don't you get? Why don't you shut up and get me my hot chocolate and get out?" Of here? Yeah, Dowager's like, "I don't want to talk." And it's, with the, you. it's the greatest shutdown of the Dowager <laughs> to this day, or not t- t- towards Danker. Yeah. I love that the Dowager loves the drama bubbling mm-hmm. downstairs in her house, but she yeah. doesn't have the time to 
handle it herself. Now, the thing I'm curious about, though, because that's pretty much the whole storyline that we just described there. Like, I know they they said it's it's a uh, you know his sister's son who was in jail, but that silhouette mm-hmm. of a boy who was the person that came to visit Spratt was that the I think the it's, one hiding out. I think it's the guess who it so is. So yeah, is he a he's child? Small. He's it's, it's, it's juvenile hall. <laughs> yeah, it's a juvenile hall that he, he's hiding out this child in an attic somewhere, like. He's a balloon boy. Yeah, I'm just so confused over this. This or it's. Yeah, what is the do we do we find out what the crime is? What he what he's been accused of, or why he was. Is in it, jail? I guess is not it a little man situation? Is it? Do they they get this oh. like it's a it's a, a smaller person who's impersonating someone else or whatever like a, impersonating a baby and then they're robbing places? Is it literally the plot of Little Man? That'd be great. I would let's book yeah. it. Yeah, um, for the Patreon, Little Man. Um, and in Paddington Double. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Edith is uh, busy, though. Do we want to do Edith or do we want to get the hospital out of the way? Hospital after, because Edith is, is low-hanging okay. fruit, I think. Uh, Edith is low-hanging fruit, but good. Edith is a good Edith episode. You think? I think so, Okay. Yes. Well, what's going on? I mean, so she's just like, I'm off to work in the, in the city. Uh, you know, I'm an editor. And she goes there, and then Bertie Pelham... No, she's, she's not an editor. No. She is... Editor in chief. She's got to go talk to her. Oh editor. right, she has to talk to her editor. But um, yeah, Bertie Pelt. Martin Truteris is is right yeah, there. Yeah, he's looking looking young, real young. And it, it's so awkward the way he just reemerges. He's just like, oh hey, you know me, and it's like, what the hell are you doing here? And it's just like I'm just on vacation. Like okay, sure. He's like, You're the age. Are you going to be the age? Like I'm the age, baby. I'm 007. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then he's like, "You want a drink?" And she is down for later. So then she goes into the office, and this, uh, you know, portly editor man who's like fuming and steam is coming out of his ears. Just they just fire him in that moment. So like, why don't you get? And, out and of what's here, the dude? portly editor man's name, Dave? It's classic Julian. I didn't write it down. I, I, Mr. Skinner. Because <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, get the irony there of how he looks versus the name. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> But yeah, he, he so he's a he he acts he, he, he sells it to the, the rafters. The, the, whoever this guy in this bit role is, he is just huffing and puffing on his way out of there. He's got five seconds and he owns him. Um, yeah, and we see Daisy Edith and her, her just her secretary, mm-hmm. and the secretary is like laughing and happy that this is happening. But then they're like, "We don't have an editor. We got to get this magazine out." Yeah. And even with this timetable, Edith still has uh, the courtesy to go see Birdie and say, I can't drink right now. Okay. <laughs> Why'd you come see me? But then Birdie's, she's like, look, I got to do this. I got a situation. And Birdie's like, okay. And she's like, all right, I'm leaving. And he goes, I'm coming too. And she's like, why? I'm helping. I thought that was an awkward way, the way he inserted himself into that. She's like, I got this thing to go take care of. And he's like, okay. And he doesn't even ask if she needs help. He just is going to help her. It's a bit presumptuous. For someone as accomplished as Edith, who's a successful female, for a man to just be like, oh, you need my help, obviously. It's like, Bertie, who are you? Oh, you're an agent. Gotcha. Okay. Got it. I like I, I like Bert. I think he he's well-intended. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I just thought it was like an awkward like insertion of himself into like you know her life. And then they get it done. We see them like they're having coffee. Mm-hmm. It's nothing but coffee to, and, and work. It's absolutely a memorable, says, that memorable moment. I mean, when you think of Birdie and Edith, I think this is what you think of. Like this is what, how they mm-hmm. came together, really. And uh, later in the episode, I mean, that's 
as as iconic as it is, that's it. Mm-hmm. That is the that is where it ends. We see Edith showing Robert the mock-ups of what the magazine is going to look like, and Robert is so over the moon about Edith, beaming, which is the last Downton episode we watched. Robert is at the dinner table rolling his eyes because Edith is going to write an editorial. Write one. Mm-hmm. And now she's running the show. Now here we are <laughs> four seasons later and she's she's the editor and he thinks it's great. I mean, that's real maturation there from, from old Robert. He really grew, you know. That's true. He's really that's a good... Man right there. I think we've talked about this, but Robert's a really good supporting player in the last like season. You know, of every, He's pushing everyone up, else up, you know. Yep, and put, pushing up blood. It, it's kind of like you know in wrestling <laughs> and, when uh, yeah, pushing up some blood. It's it's like in wrestling though. After you've already had the championship belt, you then do the duty of helping get other people over, and I feel like that's Robert here. You know. So he's he's Randy Orton. At Absolutely, this point. he's a legend. So Edith is is Riddle. Mm-hmm. Now we can get to the plot that you wanted to get to, Dave. The hospital. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, this is the most dense overall season-wide plot that that is almost too hard to start talking about within the context of this episode mm-hmm. because it's so convoluted. Yeah, I mean, it's literally like a matter of there's a hospital coming to town. Core has been entrusted to, you know, help see it through its launch. The Dowager is against it because she feels like it's... In- no, not... not. I think you're... See, this is why it's too complicated. What do you mean? You got it wrong. How would I have wrong? There, there already is a hospital that Doctor Clarkson is the head doctor of. Uh-huh. There's been a proposed merger, right. so it would be like this: this other big hospital is proposing that they instill their managerial whatever, mm-hmm. the way that as as people in Connecticut, Yale will just like absorb a hospital. Yeah. So the Dowager does not want anything to do with that, and Doctor Clarkson doesn't want anything to do with that, but Cora. Lord Merton and Isabel are all in. Mm-hmm. So Isabel, or is not Isabel, or does Isabel go? Cora goes to tour one of their other hospitals. Yeah, that happens. In- unbeknownst to the Dowager. Yeah. So this is part of the timeline of, of Cora's bad day. Daisy, um, basically, in like at like 6 o'clock in the morning, is asking her about Mr. Drew, mm-hmm. or not Mr. Drew, Mr. Mason at Utree Farms. Then she goes for this really good tour of this hospital where they give her a luncheon and they show her around. And then she goes to a meeting where the Dowager and Dr. Clarkson like pretty much go off on them to the point where is it Isabel that cu- cuts a serious promo on Dr. Clarkson? Absolutely. Which is a humbling moment for 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 poor old uh, whatever his first name is. Yeah, I mean Richard Clarkson, right? Eric. Okay. Yeah, I mean, she pretty much says the only reason why he doesn't want this hospital to go through is that he's uh, afraid of being diminished, his, his importance being diminished uh, by not being the head of the hospital. You know, it's a, it's a point of pride for him. And we get... Yeah, she says, you, you think you're king, you know what. Yeah. And, but as soon as we bring in the big guns, you're just another local doctor. And I love Clarkson's response like, to this. Clarkson's response is, what? Like, you should see the way he sells it in this episode. What? What? Like, it's so good. Slam zoom on his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? He is aghast. He, he can't believe that Isabel... It's like his heart is getting ripped out. Because that's the woman he's he's into. And she's just telling him, you ain't worth she's trash. She's there with her husband, right? Or is, or is she married to no, her husband at this yet. point? No, not yet. That's the whole, like, finale stuff, you know, getting them together. But that, that's the one who's been courting her. 
and he's mm-hmm. and at least Merton is in like Clarkson's corner of like okay, calm, calm down, Isabel. Okay, he he's not <laughs> hold back, hold yeah, back. Yeah, he's he's not trying to uh, you know do anything negative here. He's just doing his job, and then it leads to Clarkson apologizing to Isabel later in the episode, saying you know. Or no, Isabel apologizes to them, saying she, I came off too harsh, and Clarkson's like, you know what, you're right. <laughs> and the Dowager's like, I hope you're not switching sides, mm-hmm. and Isabel's like, bye. Yeah, I mean, was it? The Dowager says, in my experience, second thoughts are vastly overrated. That is a remarkable comment. I, I don't know who believes <laughs> Considering her hit before with the Danker Sprat comment, mm-hmm. this is a big old, big old woof for for the dowager towards the end but, of this episode. I mean, Cora is hot in this episode. She is way upset, you know, and understandably, like, dowager's just not having because any this of this is her mother-in-law. Like, stop overstepping. Absolutely. You're old. And especially when you can see that this is the right way to do things. You know, this is the future. Why are you trying to be an obstacle in the way of pro- progress, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Cora is so upset. It is, as you said, David, it is a truly bad day for Cora. I didn't re- realize this before. It is, this episode is a really bad day for Cora. <laughs> It it's is. Bad day. It's a. And what is the worst part of it? Well, there's there as we said at the top, there's a wedding going on. Yep. Hughes and there, Carson. There's a party going on right here. Uh-huh. Celebration. Yep. And she does not have a dress for this wedding. No, she does. It's just a simple dress. It, it's just no. And it ain't. It's a frock. It, it ain't good enough. It, it ain't good enough. No, it, it's 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 not a wedding dress really, and so. Patmore takes it into her own hands to, to try and get her something more presentable f- from mm-hmm. a, a magazine. <laughs> if they, she's like, it's a catalog. All you do is just send, send, send the money and it comes to and your I like door. how Hughes is like, yeah, I know what that is. But then Patmore turns and looks at the camera like, I have to explain it to the audience, okay? Do you understand? <laughs> they don't know what <laughs> yeah. it is. They're millennials. They go on Amazon.com. <laughs> yeah. Now go watch Down Abbey on Amazon Prime. Or Peacock in this yeah. case. Yeah. Patmore just winks at the camera. So, uh, yeah, I, Anna sees it, and she's like, no, she can't wear this. She, she can't wear this. Hey, this is embarrassing. And then when Patmore gets the other one in the, the mail, and she's like, absolutely not. She can't wear this. It does not fix Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, that's what I thought. I thought you, uh, you were ahead of me. Both times. I was ahead of you. Yeah. Yep. So, the, so Lady Mary's like, hey, why don't you go, like, we can borrow something to my mother's. Mm-hmm. It'll be easy peasy. I, I know you guys. You guys are cool. And then we see Cora get in from this this throwdown at the, with, with, with the Dowager. And Lady Mary's like, hold up, hold up. And she's like, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And she walks into that room and oi, oi, oi. Yeah, she, she catches them trying her clothes on. And she's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I don't. She, she is the. This is staccato Cora oh, to yeah. a T. Where it's like, you are not allowed in my room. Who do you think gave you permission to try on my clothes? You may dispose of Mary's clothes, but you cannot dispose of my clothes. Cora. And then we see poor, poor old like, poor old Hughes is like really down about it. Understandably, she's like, I felt like a kid getting yelled at at school. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was a dressing down, quite literally, and. But then we see Mary goes in and, and says to Cora, like, you do what, what Anna said you did. Mm-hmm. And Cora's like, well, what do you mean? They were just in my... And, and she's like, uh-uh. Make it right, ma. Now, this is, this is where I, I... It's, like, ridiculous. We're like, 
she's like, why didn't you tell me, Mary? And Mary's like, I tried to, but you stormed off. And if you go back and watch this scene, Mary did not really try that hard to tell Cora, like, slow down or, like, catch up to her. I don't think she anticipated that Cora would scream. At the same time, come on. Come on, Mary. You, you knew it was not going to go over too well. Make a little bit more but effort. I, I also don't think that I don't think that Mary knew in that exact moment they would be in there. She just knew it would be happening that day. Yeah, I, I think it's a little weak on Mary. I'm on Mary's side. Mary's Mary Mary's not trying to do anything wrong. Mary meant she's well. not. Mary's not trying to do anything. Is the problem in this uh, in this episode except from getting in uh, for getting in the way because we we didn't talk about it. But she wants she's on Carson's side of them having the wedding in the house. You know, like. Mm-hmm. On on their dime and everything, and and we talked about the breakfast wedding. Before. Yeah, last time we did this episode, give me a bacon, egg, and cheese after a wedding. I'm ready. Sounds nice. Hughes wants a proper wedding. What was sitting down at tables and stuff like that. And there's actually you know the argument at the beginning of the episode with Carson in the room, and Hughes right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, after she says her piece, they they walk out and then. Robert and Mary and them get in a fight because Mary's like, you know, it's only fair that they get this really nice wedding and Robert and Cora are kind of just like, let them have the wedding they want, you know? And uh, Carson walks back in and then they have to stop yelling and Mosley's just hearing the whole thing. <laughs> They're just going... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Carson's like, if you guys had to pass gas, I would have, I would have like let you, you could have told me quietly, mm-hmm. privately. But then, yeah, so, so that all happens... It gets settled. They're doing it at the schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. And Cora has a, mo- a moment of humility, I think. Yeah. She- well, be an undeniable moment of humility. Right. But a very good moment of humility where she realizes what she's done. Mm-hmm. And she goes and she, she gives Hughes the jacket. Yeah. And she says, keep it. And... I'm sorry. You've been, you've been so good to this house. I was in a bad mood. I didn't mean to take it out on you. Yeah. And here's my question. Mm-hmm. Why, what point does this subplot serve this episode? Why is it there? It, it does nothing. I think it just no characters serves to give Cora a bad day. <laughs> that, that's, but you don't need, it literally, it does nothing. It does, every character's moral compass is turned and then turned back within one scene. I think it's just fun. It's just fun to see, like you know, that that well, it it's so uncomfortable. But, I mean, weddings can get so hectic and like there are all kinds of drama going on. I don't know. I just like seeing the characters caught up in this. Like and also like, but Cora's got so much on her plate. Why couldn't it have been eat it? Look, I feel like we are perpetually underserved by Cora content on Downton. So I'm fine with this episode kind of putting the spotlight on her and getting getting her in this mess. So I liked it. Okay. I mean, I think she has enough going on in this episode. She doesn't need to get. You know, she doesn't need to dress down her staff only to, to just apologize and reset her herself. I think it, you know, it, it just, it fits. If we're watching the season, maybe it makes more sense that, like, Cora is getting all these opportunities and then you need to take her down a peg this episode before you kind of rebuild her in the next couple episodes towards, you know, earning, you know. So she lost her first title shot. Uh, yeah, exactly. So and now she's coming back. She's earning her way back into the championship. And I think it's also reflective of how much it, you know what it really tries tell, tells you, Dave, is how much she cares about this hospital situation. That is that affecting her that much mm-hmm. that she's willing to go off and poor old Hughes in this episode. You know, so I think that really mm-hmm. is what it illustrates is how you know committed she is to this you know whole thing. You feel, I, I feel so bad for Hughes in this. And episode. her hair is amazing. This, not episode. In this episode. Have you, did you look at Hughes's hair? Hughes. Yeah, it looks great. 
She cleans up. Hughes cleans up absolutely. We, we saw her in person. She looks. She looks like a much less. Uh, she cleans up. Tied, uh, buttoned up woman in real right. life, and she's just mo- so much calmer in real life. Yeah, you've seen this episode too. Like when she's in bed, her hair down for a second. I never would have got th- long hair. Yeah, I never would have thought. Like uh, that's a long ponytail. Do you think that was real? Do you think they clipped that on? I don't know. Female fans. <laughs> is that a real hair? Yeah. yeah. How much uh, hair is Hughes hiding? Really. Uh, and, and and I think that's the bulk of that. So we we go to the morning wedding morning, mm-hmm. and Carson uh, someone comes in with a the bunch of corsages for the the ushers. Yep. Carson realizes he doesn't have any ushers. <laughs> what a fool! Like, did he not like? I know we talked we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Carson's like, all right, give one. A, is it Mosley that brings them or no? Barrow brings them in, right? No, Mosley brings them in, and he's like, give one to Andy. Yep. Give one to to Moles or give one to Andy, and then does he say anybody else? Bates maybe. Does he say? I don't think he says Bates. We see Bates has. I think one so. On. He says like take one yourself, and then like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, uh, and, and then Barrow's like, "What about me?" <laughs> and he's like, all right, fine. And it's the thing that every TV show does, where like the principal cast is the the groomsman. Yeah, it's the funny like, thing where like your it, workplace is your life, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, it's like like Jim Halpert or no Michael Scott being Dwight's best man, <laughs> like. Yeah, we don't see one of the charming Charlies come back to be an usher. That, that's not going to happen. Yeah, but it's so it's. I was thinking about this as I was looking at the shot. Like, think about this murderer's row, almost literally, mm-hmm. of groomsmen. For honestly, you got to think about who Mister Carson is in town. Yeah. So if the Crawleys are like the sort of social nucleus of. Yorkshire, whatever town, village this is, Downton Village. Mm-hmm. Mr. Carson has got to be pretty high on the social ladder as far as reputation in town. Well, I mean, he had to decide about the whole uh, war memorial, remember? The memorial, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So so you think this is Mr. Carson. This is, the, this is you know, the king of town, effectively. Mm-hmm. And who does he have as his, his uh, groomsman? He's got the dude who was laying down gravel mm-hmm. a couple years ago. A dude who is in jail, not Bates, for a murder twice. No, Bates has a corsage at the end. Bates oh, is one right. of them. Okay. Um, so we got those two. A little, a twenty-year-old man, a boy, mm-hmm. and Andy. Um, and then Thomas, else? who not many people like. Barrow, yeah, who's a heel, who who is nefarious, yeah. And to the like, you don't have any friends, right? Right. I thought I was waiting for Spratt I, to have I one of these just, corsages. You just chalk it up to you know. How much forethought did uh, did Carson give to this whole situation, especially as we see when they are married? I don't, I don't think he's thought much more beyond proposing to Hughes. Um, by the way, yeah, he for a, for a man who's so well cultured, the little things that he doesn't know, and I don't think they spend enough time on this. I think mm-hmm. this would be a good recurring plot with Carson is like the little nuances of of his class, yeah, that he doesn't know. He's too busy being worked up in Robert and Cora's mm-hmm. life to know. Absolutely. What's normal and not normal for his his type? Yeah. So so we do see the the dress and uh, Baxter does some seamstressing on it. Uh, it the dress does not look great, but I can see how it kind of comes together with the jacket. <laughs> it, it, and she's in in I think the the Hughes has a line about how you know like she's the only thing she's staring down is death. Like she's like a middle aged woman mm-hmm. and she wants to act accordingly as a middle aged bride. And I think. 
she's a little too modest. Yeah. But well, I mean, she's, it's a she's good, been through uh, a cancer scare already, so you know. That's true. That's true. So she has stared death down and, and come out the other kicked side. it into the pit. Yeah. And they, so, they get married. You know, it's it's a nice moment seeing Carson react to all the confetti and stuff, like having fun with that. Yeah, you can. He breaks character, and then he makes a very uh, sort of typical groom speech at the mm-hmm. wedding, at the reception, yeah. about how you know he loves everybody. Nice moment. But who comes to they steal also the don't thunder. kiss on the altar? What's that? They don't kiss. They kiss outside. Okay. We do see yeah. it. We but do I see it. I, I, I took. Oh, but if they're not cat. They're not Catholic, so that's just not part. Maybe the. I don't know. Yeah. But there is a surprise entry. Right. Because the guy who wrote Mary a letter earlier in the episode saying, "Boston stinks." Mm-hmm. He says the baked beans are only so good. Legal seafood is only so good. Yeah. Celtics are only so good. Yeah, I mean, he steals the thunder. Like literally, Carson is giving his his speech. And then Branson walks in. And it's like, man, that is—it's kind of rude. It, it, like, it's like you're, you're literally taking a little luster from them. But it, I mean, it makes for a heartwarming moment for everyone because they get to see Branson back. Mm-hmm. A little rude, I say, think, but that you know, it is what yeah. it is. I mean, and yeah, but he, and they're like, "Are you gonna stay?" He's like, "I hope you'll let me." What if they're like, "Nah, nah, dude, <laughs> gotta get." We're renting the room out. Yeah. <laughs> Harold is here, but yeah, Branson is back, and he's definitely been laying into some of the clam chowder. He—he is. Full on He's daddy, big a lot of dad energy there. Uh, yeah, and they ask him like, why, "Why are you back?" And he said, "Well, you know, Boston just wasn't home. You know, it reminded me. It reminded me of what my home is, which is down." And look, this is this is something. Let me just lay into Boston here for a second. For anyone who's ever been to Boston or anything, you may disagree, but where I stand is, if you go to Boston. I think it will remind anyone of like maybe I should go home. <laughs> like I, I'm just it says you who lives in Manhattan. <laughs> what? I'm I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of Boston. Okay. You know you may not be a fan of Manhattan, Dave. <laughs> you you take me to Boston. I'm just like when can I leave? Not not into the city. Not feeling it. So I I can uh, understand. You Branson. don't like you don't like history. You don't like a rich New England history. I don't like Boston. <laughs> I'm just, just put it out okay. there. Okay. Okay. Well, I like his letter that he writes to Mary where he's like, I dreamt of Sibby going under the trees. And Mary's like, this dude, he's tripping me out. I don't need this negativity in my life. Talking about the tr- walking under the dang trees. Mm-hmm. Come home. Yeah. I like Mary. Mary straight up says to Anna, I owe him a letter. I don't know if I'm going to do it, but I owe him a letter. <laughs> yeah, I should write him one of these days, huh? <laughs> and then he just came back. And, and that is the episode. Yes. What a good episode. Sweet. It is a good episode. There's a there's a little too much uh, considering how I think how th- how good the Barrow subplot and the Edith subplot and the wedding are. The hospital stuff is just too muddy. I'm not a fan. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. It brings in a lot of different voices and stuff. And I, yeah, it's it is what it is. Yeah. Well, let's get into these rankings. Who do you got going down? Number three, I got Spratt. He's 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 keeping uh, a secret uh, a, a criminal. So, uh, and Danker's got one. You don't think that you don't think it's a moral high ground for him to, to feed his his nephew? I don't. I I. It depends. We don't know the crime. It depends on what the crime was. Okay. <laughs> he's a little boy, so he probably like stole a pencil. Or could something. have, or he could have murdered someone. We don't know. <laughs> well, number three going down, I got the Dowager because. Uh, Seems she she loses her only ally in this episode as uh, mm-hmm. Major Doctor Clarkson sort of realizes that 
it's his uh, his pride. Yeah, I mean, is getting in the way. I got her at number two as well. She she takes an L in this in this battle, and I think you know, just recalling season six where we re- recapped it, a lot of L's this season for Dowager. She just keeps losing this battle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I got Daisy because she does. This is an awful episode for Daisy. This we are entering a run of Daisy making a total fool of herself, and Julian is is. He's clapping the whole time thinking he's some genius, right? And this character who stinks. She's rotten at this point. Yeah. I can't take this Daisy. She's terrible. Well, I, th- I think in this episode she doesn't realize how deep of a hole she's dug for herself. So so I... I no, but she she is told, do not talk about right. this. And She, she does, but she doesn't have any facing re- repercussions yet. So she's not down for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number, number okay. one is Cora. She that. had the worst day. <laughs> okay. I, I, I did. She's not my number one. Okay. Someone had a worse day than Cora. Explain. Well, I mean, okay, so I didn't say worse Cora's day. got Daisy uh, chipper chipping in her ear like early in the morning or whatever, and then she's got to deal with the Dowager giving her a, a heap and help of, of trouble and all the arguing between everyone. And then she comes home and sees people trying on her clothes, and then she gets talked down to by her daughter telling her to go, you know, you know, break bread w- w- with the downstairs, and it's just like, man, she needs to go to sleep real quick. Okay. Well, number one going down, I got Barrow. I think this is a this is a real bleak episode for Barrow. Okay. Because maybe he doesn't end it narratively in in a worse place because he has his pride. Mm-hmm. But we see Robert and Carson are talking about him behind his back. They're saying like this he's on his way out. Like our problem is solved, meaning he's a problem. Yeah. We see he goes to this house where he thinks that this might be his ticket to being a a, a Carson. And nope. You're, you know, the house is disappointing, and this guy pretty immediately catches on to the fact that you're a narcissist, and you know, like he might not suss out that that Barrow is gay, mm-hmm. but he susses out that Barrow is not going to take any, you know what? Right. So, between that and and Carson picking these dudes all in the same room and saying, "Go find, Mo, you know, Molesley. Mm-hmm. You can be one of my guys," and Barrow's like, "What about me?" Then it, it's. <laughs> I will say this is a very up episode overall, mm-hmm. so I don't think it's it's a shot at Barrow, but I do think it's a depressing episode for Barrow, okay. more so than Cora. Sure. Well, who's going up for you, Dave? Well, at number three, I got Cora because I think she yeah, she learns. So she gonna learn she tomorrow. Learn, she doesn't learn anything this episode, really. She she swallows her. What do you? In, in, okay, so here's what happens for Cora. She swallows her pride and goes downstairs and apologizes to Hughes. In a great scene, great Not scene, a victory. undeniably Not a great victory. scene. It, it's a moral victory, in my opinion. And then she also wins the wins the majority on the hospital. She turns. Well, we, the, the, you want to say we don't? I don't like this plot, but she wins this. She doesn't. She doesn't plot. see Clarkson turning though. She doesn't see that. Barrow doesn't see uh, Carson and. and Robert talking about him. It affected his place in the rankings. Well, I'm just saying your your rankings are busted this week, so that that's where I. Am. <laughs> okay, say what you will. Okay, well, no, I'm gonna I, edit that line out. See what see how the what people think then. All right, fine. Uh, going up this week, I got Birdie. He makes some inroads. Good for him. Birdie's doing good work. But at number two, I got Edith. Okay. Because Edith falls up to Birdie. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. As discussed in the Lords of Grantham Lounge on Facebook, Patreon, downstairs tiers, $1 a month to get in this. A lot of hate for Edith. They say that she, 
she was accused in the Lords of Grantham Lounge of being the upstairs barrow. Yeah, as a, a saboteur, a little severe, I think a little severe. But so this is she got a bad reputation, you know, like Taylor Swift uh-huh. does. This, and I think this episode, like things go her way. She she takes the feminist high ground. She boots this this mm-hmm. Tofton adjacent editor goes and says look I can't have a drink with you I gotta go back to work yeah. the, the dude says let's let me go what we're we going to work at your your dead ex-boyfriend's newspaper that you inherited <laughs> can I come <laughs> I love ghosts <laughs> and then and then I think the the cherry on top is Robert saying I'm so proud of you yeah. after the last episode we watched where Robert says I don't want you to be a writer yeah I think it's a good episode well, for you good luck so, sorry Edith uh, you're not on my up rankings this week because you know who's ahead of you Branson he just shows up and just says like I'm home and everyone's just like you know know what's funny when we when we last did this episode I had Branson on my up and you said he can't be up with one well one when we're just checking into the show as we are and we're not watching the season it has a bigger impact so it's just like yeah Branson's number two okay number one I I, it's a it's a tie it's Carson Hughes if if it's not that you you just can't don't believe in love do they love each other though? Truly, affection, deep affection. Love is comes in many different ways, you know. Okay. Well, their love language is uh, working together. Yeah, and uh, right. Pretty much, a lot of affection that way. My rankings for the last time though, because I have them on hand. Uh, down, I have Daisy at number three. And mm-hmm. Two, I have Violet. And uh, mm-hmm. one, I have Sprat. <laughs> Sprat doesn't. I don't know. So I was on. Who do you have going up? Uh, last time I had Edith, Birdie, Hughes. So okay, I was. You almost think Hughes does have a better week than Carson, but she spends that whole day mm-hmm. so down. Like yeah. you, you feel so sorry for her in that moment. And I guess she does have a moral uplifting at the end. But yeah. well, that is what that is. So that's six point three. And now, Dave. Usually, we talk about what we've been watching recently. But I think it's more important mm-hmm. to observe the day because when this episode comes out, it is coming out in a truly important time in history a day in history it is uh-huh you know what i'm talking about dave no i don't it is the 10th anniversary of the release of fast five the greatest one of the greatest films of all time is that wait so the 29th april 29th 2011 that same weekend we also caught wow. osama bin laden great time for america uh great weekend for pro wrestlers john cena remember he announced absolutely osama bin laden? oh yeah i mean the rock said on twitter i got some good news i'll make a lot of people happy before the news even dropped and it's like how did he know because he hunted them down if you saw fast five you connected those dots immediately now listeners we did a, for our our patreon a ranking of the fast and furious films and you know fast five is just up there and like it truly is. Like, if you haven't watched it once in the past 10 years, you've just been denying yourself happiness. It is an eternal classic. It's so good. Uh-huh. Like, just rolling rolling it back. I saw, saw it post, uh, post-college for me. I was out of college for six months, adrift, trying to find a full-time job. I'd often go to the movies with my dad on Fridays, whatever was playing. I hadn't seen any of the other Fast and Furious movies and we saw this at like 11 a.m. in IMAX, and it felt like I had just. This must have been like when they found the gospel, and, and they started preaching mm-hmm. about it. Because everyone I saw after that, I had to tell how good this movie was. That same day, Dave, I uh, uh, I backed up into uh, a mailbox <laughs> in our friend's driveway, turned the whole thing mm-hmm. 180 degrees because I was just so hyped up from Fast Five. 
I took you to go see it three months after it had been in the theaters on the last showing. Yeah, the, the IMAX, <laughs> the last showing possible. Yeah, and Dave, was that life-changing for you? It, it was uh, It was life-affirming. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't... Because that's a, that's a great movie. Is, is, does Paddington 2 have to go on the back back burner for a Fast Five rewatch for... It depends what the listener. Patreon, maybe downstairs Patreon. Let's do that for the down. Let's do that forever. All the dollar tier people. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I'll rewatch it anytime. Like, that is, it just makes me feel good about life. Honestly, that when they played Danzo Cordero at the end of the movie, when the first time that came on, I felt like my soul lifting in my body. Like everything was just amazing. That the movie is just special. It really is. It was on the Times top movies of the year list too. As it should have been. I mean, it's. I feel like it's still the only movie that really bottles what makes The Rock so good, you know? That's what the, yeah, you're, you're quoting Bill Simmons on that. I mean, it's true, though. Like, it really is just like, I think The Rock, he, he has this need that everyone has to like him nowadays. He's better when he's playing against the crowd, when he wants you to hate him a little bit. Because then he can just really mm-hmm. ham it up a little bit. And in this movie, he's dripping wet, soaking wet the entire time, and just... under Before his Under Armour deal, just, just pro bono, wearing the Under Yeah, armor. and he's just furious, because he wants this, this Hobbs, and, oh, man, it is... Well, he is Hobbs. He Hobbs. Wants yeah, he wants Toretto. Oh, my God, it is, it is something. You're all lubed up on Fast Five nostalgia vapors. If you watch the first... 45 seconds of this movie first minute of this movie and you don't want to watch more with the, with the yeah then you just don't like cinema it's as simple as that <laughs> it hooks you right in you hear that Downton Abbey and, and, and British period drama fans if you watch the bus heist in the beginning of Fast mm-hmm. Five and you don't like it you don't like cinema if you want to turn me up real quick if you want to like push my buttons Tell me you don't like Fast Five, and then I will get heated immediately. Like there is something wrong with you if you don't like this movie. So there, there. it's a great one. Yeah, ten years, ten years where they've gone, they've they've gone down smoothly. How many times have you seen it? <sighs> not enough, not enough. I'd say a half dozen, which is I'd like probably, every other year or so. I definitely saw once in the theater. I could say at least three times in full and then several times pieces of well I mean I don't know how many times I just dial up on YouTube Hobbs versus Toretto <laughs> like that that fight scene I just gotta see it not the not the scene my, my father <laughs> I've watched that about 15 times I'd say at least my father that's it hey duh Green, tell so me about your father take that my father <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's infinitely quotable uh, I mean Tyrese is so good in it <laughs> Ludacris is Luda? so good in it oh man it's a good one. Check it out if you if you honestly have not seen that movie. It'll make you feel and good. You like things blowing up, and fun, and if ensembles, you just like movies, families. Yeah, if you like families, cinema, as Corey says. Absolutely. Anyways, Dave. Well, on that note, yeah, let's get out. Let's get out of here. I gotta go put my put Fast Five on on the Blu-ray. Should should. You know where to find us. Uh, Twitter, Facebook. We have a Podbean. Uh, Lords of Grantham. Podbean. Uh, we have merch. We have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Gmail, lordsgrantham.gmail.com. And you can find our Patreon as well. Yeah, and jump in the Lords of Grantham Lounge. It's great. You know, the past couple weeks, we've been on fire. I really, uh, I don't want to understate how much I love this Facebook group. I had a little, we had a little doubts putting the Patreon together and saying, you know, like, if we do this Facebook group, is it just going to be us talking to, like, one or two people? Mm -hmm. And it is self-sustaining. Yeah. The, The Lords of Grantham universe 
loves talking down and we just jump in when we can. It's Absolutely. great. I love it. And I would say I highly recommend because $12 a year from, from any listener is not going to keep the lights on or off for us. Mm-hmm. But what it's going to do for you is it's going to give you a really nice hub to go and hang out with some fellow Downton Abbey Lords of Grantham fans. And I think it's wonderful. And I cannot recommend it enough. Okay, man. You're, you're hot, <laughs> as hot for it as uh, I am for Fast Five, man. We're all just lubed up over here. Yeah, oh, yeah. But but I suppose I'm, I'm hot for, for something that, that benefits us mm-hmm. and is super cool. You're just hot for <laughs> For Dwayne Johnson and Under Armour. Absolutely. Whatever benefits uh, all of us. (laughs) Sure. All right. All right. Catch you next time.